Thank you, Steve, again, for your welcome. Thank you, all of you, for your welcome and kind words over the last 12 months or so that I've been coming here. Um, I've been refreshed. If you have, well, so have Miriam and me. Thank you. Now, I wonder if you know the story of the vicar who was showing a wealthy parishioner around his crumbling 14th century church. Uh, the vicar was praying like mad that the parishioner might be persuaded to part with some cash for the building fund. And the parishioner was on the point of leaving the church funds no better off when a small piece of masonry dislodged itself from the spire and hit him squarely on the head. My goodness, he exclaimed to the vicar, now I see your real need, and promptly wrote out a large cheque. Seeing such a direct response was too much for the vicar, who cried out, yes, Lord, amen, hit him again. <laughs> Sometimes you and I will not take action. We will let something just pass us by until something jumps out and hits us. And that explains, partly at least, why St. Paul, in the passage that we had read earlier, starts talking about harvest when his real theme is Christian giving, the duty of every Christian, rich or poor, to give some of their money back to the Lord as a token of our allegiance to him. Just a little bit of background about this passage. St. Paul is organizing a financial appeal He's really concerned about the plight of poor Christians in Jerusalem. And he's hoping that the Christians in Greece will dig deep to help their fellow needy believers in Judea. And the appeal has got off to a good start. Some of the Greek churches, including the one at Corinth, to which our verses were written, have begun to give. But St. Paul wants to stir them up to give more because the need is great and it's ongoing. So question for him how to hit them in inverted commas, how to make something jump out at them like the masonry in our opening story. And his solution is to talk about harvest. Talk about Christian giving as if it were a harvest because, well, everybody understands about sowing and reaping. And you and I understand about that too, surely. Granted, harvest time now in 2012 is nothing like what it used to be. When the whole community, especially in country districts, downed tools and joined in with the gathering in of the precious crops. Children had time off school to do that. Well, mechanization has put paid to that. But most of us here have a garden of some kind, or a window box maybe. Some of you will have an allotment. And every gardener knows about sowing, the sowing of seeds, and the resulting harvest. So right here in 2012, I believe that we can all relate to what St. Paul wrote all those years ago in order to stimulate Christian giving. And we too, I trust, can be stimulated and encouraged in our Christian giving. Because as then, so now, the needs are great and ongoing. So, let's see, how does St. Paul link giving with harvesting? And crucially, first of all, he says this. He says, Christian giving is sowing. Christian giving 
is the sowing of seed. Now, this requires a certain measure of faith or imagination, because when you and I give money these days, we see it as shifting an account on an amount from our debit column to somebody else's credit column, and usually done electronically and invisibly. But Paul sees it as something far deeper and more strategic. He wants us to grasp that there is an invisible soil, God's soil, into which we sow or plant when we give. You could call it, if you like, the soil of God's kingdom. Let me try and bring this home to you with a very simple illustration. Sometimes in churches when Christian giving or stewardship is being mentioned, there is a notice which says something like this, please put your offerings in the bowls or baskets provided. You've probably seen something like that. But in the light of Paul's teaching, that notice could be altered, and it could say instead, please use the offering bowls to provide it to sow your seeds. Because giving is sowing. And if that is true, then there follows another crucial harvest principle. Generous sowing can produce a good crop. Meagre sowing will undoubtedly yield a meagre crop. And Paul spells this out in verse 6. Here it is. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. In other words, generous Christian giving will lead to greater fruitfulness of some kind or another because generous Christian giving is like sowing lots of seeds into that invisible soil. And our Lord Jesus once said something similar. He gave us a great promise when he said this. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down and running over, will be poured into your lap. So I wonder if this harvest perspective can lift our whole attitude to what we do when we put something in the collection plate or, if possible, take out that gift-aided standing order for St. David's. It should make it all quite exciting at one level, because we're doing some sowing into a soil that is full of promise and potential. So Christian giving brings fruitfulness, but what kind? And the answer is three kinds of fruitfulness says St. Paul, building on his harvest theme. Three kinds of fruitfulness, and here's the first. It brings the fruitfulness of greater usefulness. The fruitfulness of greater usefulness. Let's think of the farmer again for a moment, or you in your allotment. If the farmer, he or she, sows generously, they may get a big crop. And part of that big crop, of course, is more seeds to sow. And the bigger the crop, the more seeds for replanting, leading to a, yes, larger crop still. And so the farmer can find himself on an upward spiral of increase of greater usefulness. And Paul says that in some way, that is what the generous Christian can discover as well. Let's look at our next verse. Paul says, he, that is God, of course, who supplies seed to the sower will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. 
Now, in practice, this will never work out in the same way for every Christian, and it may not work out in actual material ways either. Paul is very careful not to be too specific. He simply talks only of enlarging the harvest of your righteousness. But down the years, and many of you will testify to this as I can, thousands and thousands and thousands of obedient and generous Christian givers have discovered to their utter astonishment that when they give some money away, often with great trepidation, I'm not really sure I can afford this, they find that God has an amazing knack of somehow sending the money back to them with a little bit more seed, which can then be sown as an extra, leading to a further harvest, and so on. I could tell you scores of stories like this from my experience in parish ministry. I'm sure Steve could too. But I remember once a couple in Leamington Spa telling a Christian gathering how they felt challenged by God to buy two Bibles to give away. Now, those Bibles cost £12 in all, and it was £12 that this couple could scarcely afford. Well, they did it. They gave away £12 worth of Bibles. So, if you like, they sowed 12 quid into that invisible soil. And a week later, they had an anonymous gift through the door of £15. And to a roar of laughter in the meeting room, the person telling the story said, great, I was three pounds better off. But of course they were so moved by what had happened, moved by God's faithfulness, that they, they gave away a proportion of that three pounds extra as well. It became extra seed. It's this, you see, isn't it? He who supplies seed to the sower will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Somebody's put it this way, if you're a giver, God will see to it that you always have something to give. And I suppose in a way it's a bit like giving blood. As you give, your body makes more, so that you have still more to give. Christian giving brings fruitfulness, the fruitfulness of greater usefulness. Here's the second thing it does. Christian giving brings the fruitfulness of increased thankfulness. Let's see our next verse, can we? Paul says, this service that you perform, that's this giving to the Christians in Judea, is not only supplying the needs of God's people there in Jerusalem, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. Obviously those receiving gifts are thankful for them. Your link missionaries, the Dixons in Tanzania, um, the prison ministry in Africa, those folk will be deeply grateful for every gesture of support you show them. But also, because of the laws of sowing and reaping we've just mentioned, there will be thanksgiving overflowing in the heart of the givers too, the Dixons and Mike Selwood and others. And again, perhaps I can illustrate that from my own experience. A long time ago as a Christian student, I felt it right to give a certain sum to a missionary friend as a gift. And the very next morning, I had a letter increasing my student grant by exactly the same amount. And you say, well, bully for you, you were all square. I wasn't all square at all. I moved forward immeasurably. I was gobsmacked and deeply thankful as a young Christian that morning. 
This service that you perform is also overflowing in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. And it doesn't stop there either. We're into a chain reaction that goes even further. And so let's see Paul's third example of fruitfulness. It is the fruitfulness of deeper prayerfulness. What have we had? We've had greater usefulness, increased thankfulness, and now deeper prayerfulness. And here's the verse that goes with it. Because of the service by which you've proved yourselves, men and women will praise God for your obedience and for your generosity. That's the folk down there in Jerusalem. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. In other words, you Christians at Corinth, you've given to your fellow Christians in need in Jerusalem, but I tell you, says Paul, you are going to be receivers as well as givers. Because those Christians down there sure will be praying for you, their gracious rescuers. So what have we got here? Well, I think it's lovely, isn't it? In this whole area of harvesting, what we've got is not a vicious a circle, but a virtuous cycle. Not a vicious circle, but a virtuous cycle. I wonder if we can see it in picture form. Let's have the next slide. Here we've got, first of all, generous giving, the results. And the first result is obedient giving by the person there. Whoops, hang on, right. And that needs, okay, let's have it. That needs two supplying the needs of the saints. So there are a couple of saints, the Dixons in Tanzania, people here in our church, rejoicing because their needs have been met, okay? But the cycle continues, next slide, with two things happening. Praise to God by those folk, but also their prayers for you coming back onto your head. So the whole thing is a wonderful, virtuous cycle, not a vicious circle. I wonder if that makes sense. So let's try and summarise. Let's have it up again. Giving is, let's see, can we, the next one? It's greater usefulness, it's increased thankfulness, and leads to deeper prayerfulness. Isn't this a harvest where you'd like to be taking part? I really hope so. Now, many of you already are, and you have been doing so for a long time. You've been faithfully giving to the work of the Lord through his church and you've been consistent and generous. And I hope it's not inappropriate for me to say, perhaps on behalf of the wider church, a really big thank you. But maybe some others of you, perhaps because you're newer to the faith or newer to church things, you haven't really yet got stuck into this harvest field of Christian giving. And maybe you'd like to, but you're unsure how to start. Well, here are some practical suggestions. One, keep a record of what you give away already. Because statistically, and research has shown, that if you and I do not keep records of our giving, we actually only give away about half of what we think we're giving. We're very good at deceiving ourselves. So keep a record. Secondly, next one please, try and make your giving regular, either through gift envelopes or through a standing order. You see, the work of the church carries on even when you're not here on a Sunday. 
So try and make your giving regular. And then thirdly, prayerfully decide, here's a great principle of Christian giving, prayerfully decide to give a percentage of your income rather than simply anything that's left over when all the bills are paid. Do you see the, do you see the difference between these two approaches? Most people, I'm afraid, say, well, this and this and this are my outgoings, and if there's something left, well, I might give God a bit of that. But the Bible turns all that on its head and says, no, start with your income and agree with him in prayer to give away a percentage of that right at the start. Now, for many Christians, that is 10%. But you might say, I can't possibly do that. I could never do that. Okay, don't worry about that. Start small. Start with 2% if that's all you think you can do to begin with. And then as you see how God blesses you, just push it up and up and up. And I tell you, you wonder, you'll get to that 10% quicker than you thought. Many Christians do, and you may go beyond that because you find that this is a harvest field that it's so exciting to be part of. So I hope those are practical suggestions for some of you. Keep a record, make it regular, decide on a percentage of your income, and test the waters that way. Friends, let's end, not with my words, but with Jesus' words. The words we heard earlier, words that so clearly link giving and harvest, sowing and reaping. Here they are. Give, and it will be given to you. That is God's promise. doesn't say exactly how, but in some way it will. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That lovely picture, it really is. Will be poured into your lap. If Jesus, the Son of God, said that, don't you think we ought to take it seriously? Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, many of us here want to thank you for your extraordinary faithfulness to us down the years. We, we have given, we've done it with trepidation, we've been a bit fearful, but we've found that you have come more than halfway to meet us in some way or another. I pray that we might continue in that way and never lose our nerve. And I also ask, Father, that those of your servants here who are all new to all this, that they might hear your voice and begin to take a step forward or two and find how blessed it is to give and the joy of it. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.